This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to For Your Benefit, presented by NITP, the federal leader in retirement planning seminars sponsored by WEPA. Join NITP for an hour of plain talk on planning your future. You've got questions, they've got answers. Welcome to the October 2nd, 2023 For Your Benefit radio show. I'm Bob Lines, and together with co-host Karen Schaefer, certified financial planner professional, we're going to talk about preparing for the what-ifs in life. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Bob. It's nice to be here. So yeah, there's a lot of what-ifs out there, and we need to get planning. And it's so beyond what you do with your tax practice and what I do with my financial planning practice. So we brought in Kay Bransford as the expert on really getting us organized. Morning, Kay. Good morning. I met Kay at a financial planning association meeting where she was talking to all of us professionals and you could see us writing furiously as she went through what we really needed to be coaching our clients into doing. What if, right? um, The paperwork um, wasn't in order for us to give financial advice for you to do taxes. And I, I think the light bulb was going off for all of us. Wow. We each personally needed to be doing a better job uh, uh, with our own uh, organizational systems, not to mention um, getting every single client prepared. What if it's going to happen? So what do you find with regards to um, new clients or you're addressing a group that surprises you? Gee, I thought everybody knew that. Now, of course, with financial planning, uh, not everybody knows that. But what, what do you find that they, they should, if somebody's listening to this, say, yeah, that's, that's kind of sort of what I should do. How do I get to first base? Right. So that's a great question. There, I have so many things running through my head, but I would say I go back to something that I feel like was, we learned growing up was kind of make copies of everything that's in your wallet. Because if your wallet ever gets stolen or something's lost, there's an easy way for you to know what did you lose and how do I get a replacement or stop it? We all rely on our phones to, you know, freeze the card or whatever, but we don't really know quickly what actually was in our wallet. And we all have a color copier probably at home and can make copies of everything in our wallet in like two minutes. And that kind of surprised me when I saw that on your list, Kay, um, that, you know, I've always made copies of things if I'm traveling abroad and make sure my staff knows where it is. But even though I live in the financial paperwork quagmire, I really, I'm not the one who does the, the, the forms anymore. And you're absolutely right. Financial institutions need the color copy um, when, when they're asking for your identification. They, they are not happy with just knowing your driver's license number anymore. You really have to produce um, the the color copies. It's a great point. Well, why don't you tell us how you got started in this, Kay, and then in in your um, the scope of the the services you have as somebody who um, helps with getting people organized financially. Right. So um, I, I was the adult child who took care of mom and dad. Um, I'm the baby of the family, so I didn't expect to be in that position, but I'm the only one that lived near mom and dad. And they both ended up walking into different forms of dementia um, around 2010. And I'm working in corporate America. I'm raising two children. I'm married and working a full-time job. And it was really hard to just even step in to help them and be able to assist when the water got turned off or they were really small things that they'd managed really well their whole life. But part of my conundrum was just like, I didn't have the information and they couldn't really remember quickly. Um, That was just part of their early issues with their memory. It wasn't something they could quickly recall. So how do you recreate someone's financial picture and make sure that their money is safe and that they're doing okay and there's no fraud? Um, So this was happening and I just felt like I was totally overwhelmed trying to manage all those things. 
um, I thought I just saw a real need with everyone I worked with was like, can you, I see that binder you're carrying around with all your parents information. I'm having trouble with my parents. Could you give me a copy of that binder? So it just, I worked in business development and marketing. So I did this whole business plan. I entered an AERP com competition and I really realized there was a huge need for someone to be able to talk to what do people need? How do you organize it? And then there's kind of the psycho-emotional part of how does a children get their parent to share that information with them? Because mine were the silent generation. They aren't going to talk about their money with their children. Um, and so that's really how we got started. It, it was really about just what you need to have to help someone who you're stepping in to care for and what should they have given us. So that's how the business started. But what we found out early was no one really wants to do it. <laughs> because <laughs> we all know it it's on our phones it's in a file cabinet it's somewhere um, and so a lot of our stuff turned into services to help people how do you get organized and then it just turned into then we started paying their bills can you help with this can you help with that can you help get our long-term care started um, can you be our power of attorney because our children aren't in the area so our services just expanded from around the need for information right and you work in conjunction with people's other advisors. You're filling in a gap, right? You're absolutely. We we are basically filling in a gap that they have estate planners, they have financial planners, they have a CPA. Um, you know, they have all these other people around them, but no one really gets into the nitty gritty to know the the little bits of information that's needed. Right? What are your online passcodes? How do we go get your social security statement? And because they're not mailing them anymore, as we all know. Um, right. So how do you do all those small things that someone needs to get the information to manage their financial and their wealth? Right. So I do love you. Um, your what if kit. So just to give um, us an idea of how gritty it, it gets. Um, why don't you walk us through? how you've organized that because it really it, it's really eye-opening how um much there is that we we need to know mm -hmm. so well i tried to i boiled it down to what can you do in one hour because i know the amount of information we have around our finances and how all of our accounts are connected is very complicated so it's really as i said make color copies of everything in your wallet and when you do that it might be smart to say which things are on auto pay because sometimes when your card gets replaced, the auto pay transitions to the new card if it's a bigger vendor, and sometimes it doesn't. So it's good to know what auto pays might be turned off. Um, the second thing is to write down all your usernames and passcodes, security questions and pins. Now I know for all of us that have been in corporate America for a long time, we are told never write down your usernames, passcodes, any of that stuff. However, at home, we don't have an IT department that can reset things. And so when you're thinking about all the online accounts we have, all the bank account access we need, or someone would need to help you, having those usernames, passcodes, and pins can be really helpful. And of course, it should be someone you implicitly trust. Um, I guess my second caveat is people aren't breaking into your home to steal your usernames, passcodes, and pins. Um, so I think having it someplace in your home securely saved is, is a smart thing to do. Um, you'll be the last you'll, go ahead. You'll be happy to know that I hired um, somebody now that everybody works remotely. My IT department is not very convenient to me anymore. So I hired somebody to come into our house and he's of a certain generation where he not only can understand IT issues, but can talk about them um, in a way that most of us can understand. So I asked, how does he keep his passcodes? Because there are all those services that will keep them in the cloud wherever that cloud is. And he said, he, he looked at me and he said, I'm old school and he has a notebook. And it, he just keeps a notebook in his home. And whenever he updates, he crosses off and puts in the next one um, because it works. It's a system that works. And his adult daughter knows where the, the notebook is. Yeah. And it, well, it's funny because I worked in computer services. So I worked for software companies my entire career. So the fact that I'm being all Luddite yeah. about this and telling you to write it down is in some ways it's laughable. However, you know, we've had power outages. There's just times when mm -hmm. paper is best. 
Yeah. Okay, so we've got the color copies and we've got the passcodes. And then the last is the more complex um, creating a cash flow roadmap, like just draw a picture of all your financial accounts and show how does money move between your accounts. So, you know, you have a checking account. If you're a couple, there's usually two, maybe more checking accounts where money's coming in. Where's the income coming? How are they linked? What, what pays for the credit cards? Like all of those interconnections between how our different financial accounts are related can be really important to know for someone because I started doing this because I walked into so many families where the adult children walked in and in general, they said, oh, there's too many checking accounts. And they started closing checking accounts when mom or dad had an event. And that created so many other problems because no one really knew where did the income come? Where was long-term care paying from? Where was the mortgage coming out of? Because there's a lot of different baskets that people have for their money. That it is one of those best practices though, that we try to get our clients down to as few accounts as possible, right? So the clients I was talking to this morning, um, he had four former 401k plans and three IRAs. And then she had her stuff. And when I asked why he didn't consolidate them, his honest answer was inertia, right? But um, then they also had, it, it, he also had misconceived notions about, he thought 401k plans could only fold into an, um, his current employer. Anyway, and he thought the little high there. Um, but in the meantime, they were saving money uh, all over the place trying to chase interest rates right now, right? So they had the I bonds and they had um, the uh, an account money market fund kind of thing. So, yeah, it was a, a bit of a nightmare. Well, and I, I like to have the conversation with clients and ask them, like, what is the job? What job does this account yeah. do? So in for credit cards, like a lot of people, we walk into people that have like seven to nine credit cards. It's like, tell me, why do you have this many credit cards and what job, what's the job of this one? What's the job of that one? And so we try to get them to think about how your money's working for you, but how do you simplify it and give everything a task to do for you? How hard is it to get them to realize that they need that? Do you find sometimes they find more security if they have 10 accounts? No, I mean, that's a great question, Bob. But I, what I, I think mostly is that it's the inertia. They know, they know it's complicated because when we start asking a simple question about like, well, where does your social security go? And they're not sure which account it goes into. Well, your pension goes, where does your pension go? And it's a different account. When they start telling us income is coming into different accounts, and, oh, well, I pay my mortgage out of this one, but our credit card out of that one. And you ask them why, most people don't have an answer. So yeah. it usually bubbles up to the surface pretty quickly. It's a just because, it's a, right? Just happened that way. Yeah. So you you probably enter their financial world in, in two phases, I suppose. It's you know, The first phase is they didn't think they needed any help. And you have to not convince them to do it, but work along with the family or whatever. And then once they do, do they do they have monthly checkups, six month checkups, or you know, who handles who handles the cash flow when they can't? Right. So I wish I could tell you that a lot of people plan ahead, but most people don't plan ahead. So I would say nine times out of ten, we're walking into a critical incident happened and no one knows where the money is. They don't know how things are related and they need to pay bills. So we might be walking into someone's in the hospital or someone's a new widower and they've never managed the finances or even worked with the financial planner or gotten the taxes organized. And they just need a, someone to be hip to hip with them. That's usually how we get involved is after there's an issue. Mm -hmm. And what's I the, think what's, uh, Andrew uh, is trying to get us to take a little bit of a, a break here. So thanks, we're going to try to be proactive when we come back. Times have changed, but WEPA's mission remains the same, to promote the health, welfare, and financial well-being of civilian federal employees. 
WEPA offers group term life insurance to civilian federal employees with up to $1.5 million in coverage, regardless of salary. As a WEPA member, you can access exclusive rates and benefits not available to the general public. How does this compare to Fegley? Unlike Fegley, WEPA's coverage amounts are not capped by your salary. WEPA will cover your family as well. For your children, WEPA offers double the benefits that Fegley offers. And for your spouse, WEPA offers 20 times more coverage than Fegley. 20 times more coverage! WEPA's coverage is also portable if you decide to leave the federal government or retire. You can even supplement or replace your existing policy. See how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. Welcome back to For Your Benefit. We're here today with Karen Schaefer, Certified Financial Planner Professional. And our guest is Kay Bransford, Daily Money Managers, Professional Financial Advocate and Fiduciary Memory Bank. Did I do that right? You did. Thank you. That sounds complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so where are we going next? Well, you, Kay was getting us um, motivated to be a little bit more proactive because the reality is we're not organized. But there are gaping holes between what I can step in and do as a financial planner um, and what you can do um, giving people tax advice. Um, and, it, and the obvious um, gaping hole is as we age and we're just not capable, we get a little frail mentally, physically, emotionally, some combination of all three, and we just can't do it on our own. But Kay, you know, it's not just the, uh, something we wait till we get older, we, we can do it later. It can happen um, at any time, really, where somebody might need to step in and take over for us. Well, it can happen, and I. But I think what's more most interesting to me is the reality that the habits we have now are habits that we'll carry into later life. So, hmm. if you mind your store now, and it, it's funny because I had this conversation with some individuals that were in their thirties this past weekend um, about, well, I have everything set up on auto pay, and so I don't really need to do anything. And it's like, well, you know, who's minding the store? Because fraud and you know those they creep in and it could be $5 a month. It could be more, but if you don't have the habit of watching your money and how your accounts are interrelated, it's just, it's a bad habit to take into later life when you start to accumulate more wealth because you're gonna to start to have more and bigger financial problems. And I think the reality of this is that when they look at the metrics about the fraud, 20 year olds have the highest level of fraud against them but it's a smaller amount of money. So it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Like they have things, you know, coming out of their bank account. And my, my daughter in college tells me about it a lot is things that are happening to her friends. So just thinking about how do you set up clean habits now that you can take into the, and manage for the rest of your life. That's a, that's a really good way to put it. I always ask somebody if, if I couldn't get a hold of you, who should I get a hold of? You know, if I've got a client, a financial planning client, and I said, you do know, I'm not allowed to talk to them unless you give me authority, right? I, we we can't just say, well, track one of my, track down my daughter in college. Um, I actually have to have something in writing from you. And I have to have a way to verify that I'm really talking to your daughter speaking of fraudsters, right? Before I could say, or if your daughter called to say, oh my gosh, mom was in an accident. We're going to need money out of her account. I technically shouldn't even acknowledge that you're my client until if I, if we hadn't prepared um, in, in advance. Right. So. I mean, have you, have you guys come across this? Because that's, it's an interesting concept to me. And I feel like it's a change in the way that we were raised was we don't talk about money. Money's a private mm -hmm. topic and you don't have that mm -hmm. discussion. And the reality is, is for all of us, you have to pick who your trusted people are and you should be talking about your money and you should be talking about how you view life. Do you wanna have longevity or do you wanna have um, quality life, right? So there's <clears throat> all these discussions we should be having now while we're healthy. Right. So I do. I have noticed a change. Right. I've been in business for a long time and it is absolutely right. 
that my first generation of clients, the women didn't even know the landscape, right? For the most part, even though in the Washington DC area, we had the highest percentage of working women. It was patriarchal. My first generation of clients going into retirement, there's a whole education process on getting women their own credit. And, and that did change. Um, what um, changed the, with the adult, um, more baby boomers, the younger baby boomers, I found that they were um, trying to tell their children to live their financial lives as like they had. And it was a mistake, you know, hurry up and buy a house as soon as possible without realizing that their, their children were not going to have one career and we're not going to stay put and we're not going to launch in their 20s, right? I, I don't need a 20-year-old owning a townhouse on beyond Gaithersburg when they want to be downtown and they're changing jobs all the time. And so we we had to, what part of our job has always been not only getting the right money decisions and coaching the right money decisions out of people, but coaching the right age-appropriate conversation. And I do think as your daughter probably is noticing, younger people do talk about money. They talk about their credit scores. Um, look at me. Um, they talk about um, money in a way that I, I'm cautiously optimistic, I think is going to be helpful. But it's still um, a, a taboo, I, I sense, in most families for a, a, a generation X or whatever letter we're on to look up the family tree and say, okay, mom, it's time. Show me the passwords and let's get those colored copies done, right? I just don't, we're not there yet. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. I also find that um, it's, it's hard for um, anybody, not just a young person, but anybody to know where step one is. So let's say people didn't get quite organized and the crisis event happens. You're getting a call from the emergency room or you're home visiting and you realize mom's just not herself. What, what would you say would be the, tra the, the step one um, to, to start stepping in and managing when you realize that your sister, your mother, your best friend just isn't doing it? Right. So, I mean, I think it goes to the, we're, what are the estate plans? Have they done estate plans? So um, I guess my one of my public service announcements is that every adult that turns 18 should have a general power of attorney and a medical health care power of attorney done. <clears throat> you turn 18, somebody needs to have that authority to help you should you need it. So, and I know that kind of gets bucketed in with all estate planning, but I would say first ask mom, are there estate plans in place? And if they're not, you really need to see an estate lawyer because the world has really changed and um, powers of attorney are not the same as doing a trust. There's better ways to manage things. I'm not a lawyer, but I would say after going through this with my parents, the first thing I made my husband do is we went out and we got a trust that we put into place. And we did a trust because it gave us the ability to put conditions around how our money gets used to spend for us and our children's behalf if we're unable to make those decisions. So yeah. go to the state lawyer, step one. So it's so interesting that you um, pick that. That's the, a smart way to look for uh, step one because I've always known that financial institutions don't have to honor powers of attorney. Even though I've had lawyers tell me, what do you mean? I, you know, just get me on the phone or, you know, I'll rattle some cages. And I thought, okay, I, I can do a fair, my fair share of huffing and puffing too, but I'm bluffing. There is no law that says um, Schwab has to accept a power of attorney. And their policy might be, sure, we'll accept it if it was drafted by our lawyers and you signed it within two weeks under a full moon. All right, exaggerating to make a point, but that's what it feels like sometimes. And it is so much better to get the assets into uh, a trust where the financial institution has accepted the retitling. So the account doesn't say K, it says K trustee for K's trust. That, that, those laws came over on the Mayflower. They, they're, right. they're going to accept your successor trustee when it, when it comes to 
who can now make decisions on this account at their financial institution. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal and most people don't know it. And so in Virginia, we actually do have a law that says the bank, the financial institution is, um, they're released from liability if they grant the power of attorney and they have to accept it. But you know what? The bank teller doesn't know that. They don't care. Yeah. I'm sending it to my corporate office. It's going right. to take weeks to months to be approved right. and you still have to rattle cages. Yeah. Yeah. It's at a time when you really need the money. Oh, there's that. You're emotionally drained. Um, you're intellectually exhausted. You need the money. We, we got to pay the caregivers and, or they're going to quit. Um, and yeah, somebody's saying, yeah, I, I, they're out this week, but I'll get back to you with how we can give you access to this money. So, so sorry to hear about mom. Yeah. Yeah. That's not enough. When I, I will say I've seen a huge shift in the past decade with financial advisors really getting involved with the family. Mm -hmm. And so I knew <clears throat> when it was mom and dad's money, the first thing my brothers wanted to do was take the money from the current financial advisor because he didn't help us, but mm -hmm. he couldn't, right? He didn't have the ability to help us. We didn't have powers of attorney that he could accept, or we didn't really know how that all worked. Um, but now I see that the financial advisors are really like, who are your children? Let's have that discussion with them. They're doing a lot more and engaging over how do you want to spend the rest of your life and who would step in and help when you need it? Because seven out of 10 of us are going to need three or more years of long-term care services. That's yeah. Just you, might wanna, you might want to say that again. How many of us? Seven out of 10, according to Health and Human Services, 70% of Americans over 65 will need three or more years of long-term care services. Yeah. So, um, and that means that some couldn't need more than that, right? And um, I I feel it's, it's paramount on us as financial planners to get people to have a plan. Maybe you can't buy long-term care insurance because you've already been diagnosed with something unpleasant from an underwriter's point of view. Um, but that means that the equity in this house is going to have to be tapped to get you care. Who knows that? And how do we tap it? And who has the authority? Because when you need care, you might not be available for the heavy duty conversation. It's time to sell the house or it's time to um, move in with adult child and rent out the house and have the rent. I mean, there's, it's a complicated, no, um, no one size fits all decision and somebody's going to make it in a crisis. No, we need to, we need to back that up and, and be thoughtful about it, have some choices. Right. And I, I guess that's, that's really how I got involved in this. And so I'm mm -hmm. glad you brought that up because as the adult child, one, I just wanted to spend time with my parents, mm -hmm. but I was at the bank. I was talking to the nurse in their community. You know, I was having to do so many caregiving duties. I didn't have the ability to really spend time with them when I wanted to. And had we known what to do with this planning, we could have spent the time enjoying each other and not on hold with a financial institution, trying to rattle the cage to get something done so that we could yeah. take care of things. So yeah, exactly. So Bob, um, we, how many of your clients could use a little help getting their documents ready for their tax season? How would, what would make it go more smoothly? Well, probably 25% present something orderly. And yeah. the others, a little less, a little less. And then <clears throat> a couple of classic comments every year. Hi, this came for you in the mail. So it was all the 1099s and stuff like that. They were saving for me. <laughs> yeah. And how, right. how do you I can't do really you do your them? return. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, you know, how do you get them to turn around? Sometimes you're not. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of activity. They don't have a lot of assets, so to speak, or they have large assets in three places. Um, yeah. And then you have to watch out because sometimes you're perceived to be doing what the kids should be doing. You know, why are you giving them that advice? And I go, well, you know, because you can't. But I have to. How do you? How do you? Uh, how do you say that gently? <laughs> But it, it's always worked. 
And sometimes they insist on the kids being in the room at tax time. Okay, that's a very small percent. Yeah, I, I find that one of the clues that my client is starting to be less competent to a point where it could be problematic is when we can't have conversations about very routine money things, right? The Where I, I used to be able to just say, um, this is how we're looking at your account um, and and why, and, and they're befuddled or um, a, a, a 1099 comes and it frightens them, you know, and I, right? Uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got this. Wow, you know, they've been getting them for every year. Um, why is this frightening? And that's when I love having the trusted person document in the file and I can call and say, hey, I saw mom and dad today. How do you think they're doing? And when, as soon as they admit, I'm a little worried. I said, oh, thank you. I'm a little worried too. They, they were, and then we can put a plan in place, right? We can go forward. But it's a bad day at the office when you start getting those conversations and there's no plan in place. There's nobody I can call. Um, I, I once called a lawyer and said, hey, that I'm seeing serious mental um, incapacity problems. They're, they're just not. And yeah, that's a problem was the answer. No clue no. On, on what to do. So what happens in the void? Well, we, I don't have a one size fits all on that, but um, in the moment we'll, our guiding stars always protect the client. So if the client is going to start um, doing very foolish things uh, with their money, um, I will do whatever it takes to put a, a wall up, but might be overstepping, would prefer not to have to do that. Oh, Bob, I was going to ask you when you're looking at when clients come in and there's this shift of the year that they start being able to write off their health care deductions. The number of clients I walk into that don't realize that all those medical expenses they're paying out of pocket or the long term, the home care expenses are health care deductions that they don't even realize they qualify for. Do you see that are you seeing that with your clients as they're aging they just don't even realize what deductions they qualify for the the the, the percentage or the number oddly enough it's not dwindling but this doesn't seem to be the interest level that there um, once was and i can you know i had client ones that um, had a, a disabled daughter and they want a pretty nice um uh, damage award and they put a swimming pool in the backyard they bought a van a nice van and they did this and that and i said you know um probably your attorney would be less than thrilled to see where this money is going well that's the last time i talked to them but you know uh, you know it's it's and you can see the little bit you know a little bit okay but you know they needed this car to transfer the kid around and the car was anything but, uh, you know, a van. Anyway. Um, I, I do see it, Kay, where um, for so long, your, your tax return is your tax return. Here's my W-2. Here's my interest deduction. Then a law changes. And I guess I don't need that interest deduction. <clears throat> but we, we have coached many an adult child on, you do know that, we've got to, um, who, who's doing their taxes? We, we've got to capture this more. And it's one of the things that um, when people are thinking about whether, when and how to spend Roth IRA money, um, having tax-free distributions from a Roth IRA is kind of worthless when I'm in a zero bracket the last 10 years of my life, because if I really live into my 90s, like all the Kelly Donnelly women that I seem to be following <laughs> along in, they're in zero brackets, in, right? You, you just get a little frail. Um, so I, I need to anticipate when and how to strategize with my tax-free versus my taxable income in anticipation of I'm going to have a lot of deductions. 
Now, of course, they can always change the tax law, and they don't usually have me at the table when they're signing off on uh, new laws, but it's the pattern we've seen. If you are going to live a long time, we're going to uh, certainly need to um, anticipate those deductions. So why don't we anticipate a little break, and we'll come back. Who do you trust when making your most important decisions? National Institute of Transition Planning has been the trusted source for federal retirement planning, serving new, mid-career, and pre-retirement federal employees for more than 30 years. NITP's subject matter experts bring more than 800 years of collective expertise on federal benefits, financial, transition, and estate planning. Visit NITPinc.com. That's NITPinc.com to sign up for their free monthly newsletter and information about free webinars. Are you at the mid-career stage of your federal career, or do you plan to retire in the next five years and wonder if you are prepared for retirement? No matter what career stage you are, it's never too early to dot the I's and cross the T's. NITP now offers online open enrollment training to help you understand your federal benefits package and financial planning options with tips and tools to plan and fine-tune your retirement planning goals. Visit NITPINC.com to download the current brochure and calendar. All right, welcome back to the final quarter of today's webinar. My name is Bob Lines and uh, co-host Karen Schaefer, certified financial planner, and Kay Bransford. Kay is a daily money manager for those, could I, could I make it small by saying for those that can't? <laughs> yes, we help people manage their day-to-day -day bills. <clears throat> How uh, do you find uh, there's a certain percentage, if you had to say, you know, 30% of the people were really left to deal with or 60%, is it is it commonplace for people to wait too long and then you have to step in? Yeah, I would say most people wait until there's, <clears throat> there is that crisis, which that that's okay. It's understandable that you, people don't plan ahead because things are easy now. Um, we would love it if people just we're better communicators about their money in general and talk to their spouse, talk to their family. So that would be my first encouragement of it. Um, but what we find most is the preconceived notions from people. And I think the biggest issue has been when you were retired and when you start using your retirement funds is when it's most important to bring in a financial advisor and a tax planner to help understand what's going to be tax deductible when you start pulling out money. Everyone thinks of, I don't need a financial advisor because I can grow my own money, but it's more important to start thinking of those professionals when you can't grow your own money and you're using it, you're pulling it out. Which is actually a much more complicated stage of a financial plan. I always thought we should charge differently. The accumulation phase of life can be set it and forget it. Just, you know, avoid missteps with debt, put money in your 401k, understand um, not to panic sell when the, just because the market seems to be down today, those kinds of things, right? Um, but when you're, when you're spending money down, you make a misstep there. We don't have a do-over. When you're spending money down, there are better assets to spend before other ones. There are tax consequences that are huge. I literally had a, 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 an email from somebody over the weekend saying, I've done a little analysis and I want you to sell fill in the blank, which is actually down, the market's down right now, but up huge since she's owned it. And the tax consequence of, of that would be a real misstep while um, it's gonna pull her into a higher Medicare Part B. I mean, it's much more complicated than what I'm envisioning um, when I our conversation will go. I think she just got a little nervous and she just thinks, okay, it's there. Um, I'm going to make a narrow decision here without seeing the ripple effect of that. And it's almost impossible to see it without years of experience and expertise. Good news, it's available pretty easily, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I think okay. it's also the, I've seen, I was just going to mention that quick, quick is when the market's down, that's yeah. when you don't want to have to sell stuff. Exactly. And it's been, I've, that's the worst time. So we're, keep your cash reserve. So maybe Bob, you could speak to that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about this? How would somebody contact you? Website and or phone? 
Yeah, the best thing they can do, they can go to our website. It's Memory Bank, and bank is spelled with a C, so www.memorybank.com. They can schedule a free consultation. They can download the free What If Kit that's 10 pages and takes one hour for them to fill out, um, and they can learn more about our services. Great. And and, and I've, I've looked at that um, kit and handed it out to my entire staff saying, okay, let's lead by example here. We've, we've got to get this. I thought I was a planner. I had um, some of this stuff done, but I, I, I could tighten it up and make it better. And then I would also say, after you spend that hour ish, I'll say it's an hour ish, um, age appropriate conversations with people who need to know that you are now this organized and this is how you've done it. Yeah, it's a it's a great tool, Kay. Thank you. So after your initial meeting with the with the client or the client to be, are there intervals that you probably feel for some people might be more often than not? I mean, I don't mean weekly, I don't mean monthly, but you know, a couple times a year. And somebody else might say, "Well, we can do this around tax time." Or, you know, how, how do you how do you train them? Right. So I would say most of the clients we work with, we're engaged with on a monthly basis. So we visit them probably two times a month, or we're helping pay bills. We're reminding them of things. Um, so we're most clients we're engaged with on an ongoing basis. We do have some project clients that there's an issue. Can you just come in and help us? understand mom and dad's finances and then we turn it over to, to the children which i would always prefer to give this job back to someone in the family who's been set up as power of attorney but mm. sometimes they're not local um, they don't have time they're raising young children so sometimes we get hired by a power of attorney or a trustee to help them manage this the nitty-gritty of someone's finances their day-to-day -day finances not their investments Right, just the keeping it all rolling. Yeah, um, that ma that makes a a lot of sense. Uh, one of the things that that financial planners struggle with, and our regulators struggle with, is the fiduciary responsibility to always do what's best for the client. Now, if you're a certified financial planner and regulated by the SEC, you know you've got two sets of laws coming at you making sure that you always put your client's interest first. But, you know, uh, Bernie Madoff was regulated by the SEC and he kind of made a mess of, of, of a lot of people's lives. Um, what What's it like in your world where you're the bill payer and you have access to all the all the financial details? What are the safeguards that, that you put in place um, for making sure that um, the client's protected? Right. That's a that's a good question because we, one of the great things for me is that we have so much more flexibility than a financial planner does mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. do things on the behalf of our client. So in general, our client hires us to be their direct individual. Um, they're supervising us and we're working under their guidance. So they are watching what we're doing. We're all insured. We're bonded. We do background checks. Um, our association also has a way to report if there's any suspicious activity. But anytime we start to see cognitive things bleed in, um, and actually with every client that hires us, we require a trusted contact at the get-go. So mm -hmm. if something happens to you or we need to reach out, who would we talk to? So we have them give us someone who's a trusted contact who, if they're unable to manage their own affairs or we think something's getting squirrely we we copy them on our bills so we always have someone watching us that they have named to monitor what we're doing have you ever um in been in situations where there is that no person there and the only step is to go to court and get a guardian appointed has has that been part of your reality so we haven't we have clients that have we've referred over to a court appointed um, guardian mm -hmm. or conservator, but in general, we don't we try to not go to court because that's very expensive. It usually ends up being contested. It's a public record and it's um, 
it's, it's just a very hard thing that a family would have to go through. So we okay. try to set up systems so we don't have to get to that court appointed, but sometimes the financial advisor is looking at things, sometimes the accountant's reviewing. So if there is no trusted family member, we have mm -hmm. other ways to manage that. And sometimes it might be a, um, a trust, someone who's a trust advocate. I'm, now I can't think of the word, but they're, they're named in the trust. And so they can review anything. It's not the successor. It's actually, oh. it's a someone who they review all of our bills and we do an annual accounting okay. to mm -hmm. this trust representative. So we have a third party that we're reporting to, even if we're trustee. That makes sense. Yeah, they, um, I work with lots of different attorneys because everybody, every financial planning client needs estate planning documents. And um, I was just getting catching up with one recently. And I said more and more, I'm being asked to be trustee and there's a conflict of interest there. And there are some workarounds, but I would much prefer to have a family member that I can work with um, or a trusted best friend or the niece or nephew. We need to go down a generation um, uh, uh, one of your kids' friends, but I said I, it's happening um, more and more and more that people want us to be their trustee. And I asked if it was the same for her as a lawyer, and she said absolutely. Um, and more and more, she's being she's having to um, take cases, get court appointed um, guardians. And she said, Karen, just always remember, it's always bad. It's always expensive it's always um hurtful to somebody it's always more difficult than just paying the bills you know filling out forms and reporting back to the court so if nothing else it should motivate all of us right we didn't get this far in life um and and make smart money decisions to have it all go to complicated fees and court proceedings um and all we need is just to make that commitment to be more organized. Yeah. So, and I just remember it's trust protector. So in okay. your trust, you name a trust protector. I've not heard that term. I'm writing that down. Every time I talk to Kay, I learned something new. <laughs> Fabulous. I love people like that. Trust protector. Yeah. Well, and I think what's interesting is, you know, and a lot of people think about, we set our trust up with the bank and when you yeah. set it up with a, corporate trustee, their job is just to manage your money. And a lawyer, it depends on the lawyer, but we've also, we started doing it because we were approaching it as a family member to say, it's not about the money. It's about how we use your money to support your life. Right. right? And that really doesn't get involved if it's a bank managing the trust. So, oh, exactly. So just to know what those differences are. Yep. Yep. I've, um, we've always been a little biased to name real people as opposed to corporate trustees, um, simply because early on, and it's better than it was, but early on, we would see corporate trustees charging fees on assets that didn't need to be managed. And I, that, that's the home. You don't need to be charging uh, a fee on, on the real estate portion of this balance sheet kind of thing. And they were very hard to then replace. Um, but I, I think you're, you're, you're right. There's a much more practical approach. Um, as people have lived longer, you know, people used to retire and die. Well, that's old school. Um, we get older and older and need more and more. So I think there's a lot of professionals who have lived through some of those horror stories and are building better documents for us to work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I might mention we have about four minutes, Andrew. This has really flown by. So I yeah. hope people take lots of notes um, yeah. and we'll, you know, we'll put this up on the website uh, too. No, no, there's a, there's, uh, there's a lot to it. One of the, um, I wanted to, to circle back with one of your comments. You said earlier that youngsters um, are the being taken advantage of by fraudsters more than others, but because they're such small dollar amounts. Um, and that it doesn't get the, the notice that the big um, senior elder abuse does. Um, when you, so when you've been reviewing accounts, um, what's a, can you tell us a story of something that, that um, you found that people didn't know they were paying for all the time or things that had they known it would have saved them a, a, 
a lot of money. Well, I, I'm going to go back to my first client. It was, um, I walked into a client who was paying for dial-up services. She'd been paying for dial-up services, I guess, for, you know, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> and she had Wi-Fi in the home. You know, yeah. so it's it's simple stuff like that. So I think we just get, we set it and we forget it. And we're just, the inertia factor can cost us a lot of money over time. Yeah. All so right. Andrew tells, us, Andrew tells us we have almost a minute left. So okay. final thoughts. Um, how, how does people, how do people get in contact with you? Well, and so if they go to our webpage, I am happy to talk to any adult child caregiver because I did this. I am schedule a free 20 minute consultation. I'm happy to give you tips and tools and send you in the right direction if you're struggling with that. So um, feel free to hit our web website, memorybank.com. Okay. A N C. Yeah, and I and I just want to um, tap in there as a f financial planner who has been coaching people to do this on their own. Kay has really put together a very practical way to get get organized, and you're you're going to feel really proud of yourself when you um, know that you've done the best you can to give a little roadmap to somebody in case they need to come in and and help you out. So. Thanks for, for what you do, Kay, and, and hopefully more people got motivated for that. All right. Thank you, Karen, and thank you, Kay. And um, let's do it again sometime, huh? I think that's a great idea. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to For Your Benefit, presented by NITP and sponsored by WEPA. Please tune in next Monday at 10 a.m. for a topic solely devoted to you, the federal employee. This show can also be heard on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search for your benefit. Thanks for listening.